In my admittedly conservative opinion, modern rackets have diminished the game of tennis as a spectacle. For one thing, an average first serve speed of 115 miles per hour makes it pretty difficult for a spectator to discern whether the ball is, in fact, in or out. Second, booming serves from both opponents has led to fewer competitive games, with many sets turning into a rather dull march to six all, ending in a tiebreaker. Now, there isn't any need for a tiebreaker in analysing the long-run prospects for the US economy, since it isn't really a close call. In the long run, economic growth is determined by gains in employment and productivity. Productivity, measured broadly as output per worker, has grown at an annual average pace of 1.2% in the first 10 years of this economic expansion, and based on the latest available data will grow by roughly 1% in the year that ends in the third quarter. The simplest way to boost productivity will be to ramp up capital spending, giving workers newer and better tools to work with. However, after a 6.4% jump in real capital spending last year, it now looks set to fall for a second consecutive quarter in the third quarter and advance by less than 3%, for 2019 as a whole. Without a surge in investment, there is no reason to believe the economy will be able to achieve productivity growth above its 1.2% expansion average in the years ahead. Meanwhile, while the August jobs report was a mixed bag in general, one aspect of the labour market is becoming clear. The unemployment rate is about as low as it can go. Most of this expansion has been characterised by steadily falling unemployment. Indeed, the jobless rate fell from 10% in October 2009 to 4.1% in October 2017, or by more than seven-tenths of a percentage point per year. However, since then, it has fallen by just 0.4 percentage points more, to 3.7%, and has only drifted down by one-tenth of a percent in the last 15 months. There are still 6 million unemployed Americans, however, most of those unemployed either reflect the normal churn of the labour market or those who are not easily employed in today's economy. Indeed, the August survey by the National Federation of Independent Businesses, a record 57% of firms reported few, if any, qualified applicants for jobs they were trying to fill. If the unemployment rate has indeed essentially stopped falling, then job growth can only come from labour force growth. And while the August jobs report did show an encouraging increase in the labour force participation rate, there are likely very few qualified workers now left outside the labour force. This being the case, the very slow growth in the working age population of roughly two-tenths of 1% per year should hold labour force growth to well below 1% per year and perhaps below half a percent per year over the next few years, thus keeping overall real GDP growth below 2%. But if the long-term prospects of the U.S. economy seem relatively set, the short-term outlook comes down to a tiebreaker, as strong forces pushing the economy towards recession are counteracted by equally strong forces of resilience. There are plenty of negatives in the economic picture today. The Global Market Composite PMI Index fell in August to an index reading of 51.3, only slightly above its three-year low of 51.2 set in May and June of this year. U.S. exports fell year-over-year for a fourth consecutive month in July as a trade war, which is clearly hurting the global economy, is also causing some domestic damage. In addition, business-fixed investment spending looks poised to log a second consecutive quarterly decline in the third quarter, while inventories, piled up in advance of higher tariffs, are likely to grow more slowly. Some have looked to Fed easing to counteract this. However, while we currently expect the Fed to cut rates at least twice more this year, including a cut next week, we do not believe that these cuts impart any positive net impetus to aggregate demand. However, consumer spending remains a big counterweight to all of these negative trends. This week's report on retail sales may show flat readings relative to July. However, the July gain was strong enough that real consumer spending could advance by 3.5% annualised in the third quarter, following a 4.7% annualised gain in the second. 
And to repeat the best-known statistic in economics, consumer spending accounts for almost 70% of GDP. Consumers on, in, on aggregate are in a strong position. The August jobs report showed a 3.4% year-over-year gain in the wages of production and non-supervisory workers. The August CPI report, due out on Thursday, should show only a 1.7% year-over-year gain in prices, yielding a very healthy gain in real wages. Although year-over-year job growth has now fallen to 1.4%, its slowest pace since 2011, these extra jobs, combined with good gains in real wages, are adding to consumer purchasing power. In addition, low interest rates have sustained debt service costs at a low 10% of disposable income, while the personal savings rate in July was a healthy 7.7% of income. This is giving the consumers the ability to borrow more, although financial institutions are still somewhat wary of relaxing lending standards. Finally, while a broad slump in consumer confidence could undermine spending, surveys show Republicans and Democrats having such astonishingly different perspectives on the current economy that it's hard to see either broadly held despair or euphoria taking hold. So will consumer spending stay strong enough, long enough, to allow the global economy begin to recover and investment spending begin to revive? It's a close call, and the tiebreaker probably lies in hiring. There are some signs of greater business caution in the August jobs report, with an unimpressive 96,000 private sector jobs added. In addition, the annual benchmark revision to payrolls, which cut 501,000 jobs from the payroll gain between March 2018 and March 2019, suggests that even this may be overstating the underlying pace of job growth. However, offsetting this is the reality that many businesses have been looking to hire for some time. Since March of 2018, the number of job openings has exceeded the number of people unemployed in the United States, and the job openings number due out in the JOLTS report on Tuesday should continue to show over 7 million unfilled positions. On the other hand, many other firms may be increasingly hesitant to hire in the face of business uncertainty. These conflicting pressures will shape the hires number in the JOLTS report both this month and over the next few months. For investors, it's probably wise not to bet too heavily on the outcome of this tiebreaker. A recession would undoubtedly be bad for stocks while sustaining the reality in, the rally in high-quality core bonds. Moreover, even in a U.S.-led recession, investors might feel more comfortable about U.S. dollar-denominated assets. Economic resilience, on the other hand, could see a backup in interest rates from today's very low levels, and more money flow into both domestic and international equities. However, for long-term investors, a cautious approach seems wisest, as the hiring behavior of American business determines a short-term cyclical fate of this longest of U.S. expansions. Well, that's it for this week. Please tune in again next week. And if you have any questions in the meantime, please reach out to your J.P. Morgan representative. This content has been produced for information purposes only. And as such, the views contained herein are not to be taken as advice or recommendation to buy or sell any investment or interest thereto. Reliance upon information in this material is at the sole discretion of the recipient. The material was prepared without regard to specific objectives, financial situation, or needs of any particular receiver. Any research in this asset has been obtained and may have been acted upon by J.P. Morgan Asset Management for its own purpose. The results of such research are being made available as additional information and do not necessarily reflect the views of J.P. Morgan Asset Management. Any forecasts, figures, opinions, statements of financial market trends, or investment techniques and strategies expressed are those of J.P. Morgan Asset Management, unless otherwise stated, as of the date of production. They are considered to be reliable at that time, but no warranty as to the accuracy and reliability or completeness in respect of any error or omission is accepted. 
they may be subject to change without reference or notification to you. J.P. Morgan Asset Management is the brand for the asset management business of J.P. Morgan Chase & Company and its affiliates worldwide. J.P. Morgan Distribution Services Incorporated. Copyright 2018. J.P. Morgan Chase & Company.